I think we're up to date. We're going to go ahead and get back into our lesson. Um, we had a brief interruption from the lesson last week, but it was what, it was part of the lesson, kind of, sort of, because we talked about tattoos. And now we're going to talk, get back into lesson number 14 about God Knows Your Name. And we were heading over into the section of uh, page 2. And we'll pick up at the top of page 2 just to get some continuity back into what we were doing. Uh, We're going to go ahead and look to the Lord first of all, uh, most importantly, because there's many things to pray about, but we're going to look to the Lord with a word of prayer over this. And let's get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your presence this morning. We thank you for your comforting presence. We thank you for how you quiet our spirits to make us even more sensitive to what you have to say to us. We thank you for the presence of the Spirit in all these things. Lord, we do ask for comfort regarding Phyllis, and we do pray for the family. We pray for this time right now, Lord, that you'll just bless us and keep us. And Lord, we just thank you for the constant reminders of how we are truly blessed beyond measure because of what we have and who we are, especially because of our relationship with you. Please, Lord, we just thank you for helping us to remember Jasper as well, too, at this time. We pray for his recovery. We pray that you'll just help him along day by day, as well as the family. We pray now for this lesson, that you'll bless us and keep us with the words you have to say to us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's very important for us to, as we get into the lesson once again, to, to remember the importance of continually being open to, the, to God teaching us through his word. You know, Brother Beecher and Ed and all of you who have been around the word for a little while now, you recognize that you are still students of the Bible. You're still learning what God is saying to you through this word. There's no one in this room that is not learning and still learning more and more. He's teaching us all the time. And we have to be mindful that we have to look at this God's word and look at specifically what God is saying and not interpreting what we think God is saying based upon our own feelings. Amen? That's a really, really important thing to remember. Sometimes what will happen is if we allow our feelings to get in the way of what God is saying, we're getting sometimes a message that we may be communicating with other people but that may not be what God is intending you to communicate. You have to strip away personal feelings, personal thoughts, personal issues, and let God speak to you. He's constantly teaching us through the Spirit. That's what He wants to do. So as we get older, and we're all getting older, I pray that you're sensitive to the Spirit teaching you. And maybe you just might learn something new that the Spirit is teaching you over a period of time that you didn't even realize. And you're like 80 years old or 90 years old. He's still teaching you. You're not beyond learning. Now getting back into the lesson where we are uh, at this time, I'm trusting that he's also teaching you something very simple, and that's how to talk to younger people. How to talk to younger people. 
Do you know how to talk to someone who is half your age, one-third of your age? There's a big divide in a lot of churches where we have a generational gap. Sometimes the generations are two, two-fold gap, where we don't know how to talk to certain people. Well, I would just challenge you, if you let the Spirit work, you'll figure it out. And not try to and take away what you think is a perceived disconnect. The only disconnect sometimes happens when we're talking to younger people is because we put it there. You have to take that away. Now, I'm mentioning this because of all the different things we've, we've discussed here in this lesson thus far, in lesson 14, about how to talk to a younger person how to speak to them, taking away personal biases because they're younger. And, you know, this is nothing new under the sun. Amen? When we were growing up and we were younger, we looked at our parents or looked at some of the people who were older than us and said, boy, they're a bunch of fuddy-duddies they are. When in reality, you were still learning about life. They knew more than you did. You didn't know anything. We have to be sensitive to those very things as well, too. The younger generation, a lot of them are very intelligent. They're very smart. I got a couple people that I got hired at my job who are working under me in my department in the collections group. And we're talking about people who are in their upper 20s, low 30s. Very intelligent people. Very smart. The one lady speaks five languages, including English. It's like, where did she come from, right? When she came from Bedford, Ohio. But got a lot of exposure in the world going overseas, working in Africa, working in Europe. Very smart. And just has a great way of retaining things and information. Another young man played football at St. V. He's a graduate from St. V. Went to college. Also very smart. Has a way of recalling information. Just found this out in casual conversation. They're very intelligent people. We can't treat them like they don't know anything. Some of them really do probably need to learn some things, but we need to be smart about how we're communicating with people. Yes. Okay. Okay. There you go.
And I don't know what your vision of a golden woman is, mm-hmm. but this is born in you. And it's, it's okay when you're in the dark, I guess. Mm-hmm. But think about it. I came back, he had schemed for a golden woman. Okay. Yep. You're right. Just as the way you would want to be treated when you were that age. I think it's just a matter of respect, isn't it? Okay. So without dwelling on that too much, I wanted to go ahead and get back into looking at God in such a way where when we look at him and we wonder about his communication with us, whether he notices us, whether he acknowledges us. And the answer is, of course, he does. But the way for us to relate to how God speaks to us and how he relates to us is we try to put on him these anthropomorphic features. And what is anthropomorphic? We're giving what? Say it again. Human-like attributes. Giving him, thank you, very good. For those, see, sometimes I'm going to quiz you and ask you a question. What is anthropomorphic? And the question was answered. We're assigning God human-like attributes. We remember that God is spirit, so he does not have those human-like attributes unless he decides to do that for himself, but we have to do this to be able to relate to who he is. So we've covered that. So let's go back now to the top of page two. What anthropomorphic characteristics are given to God indicating God's awareness of you in Isaiah 49 Verses 15 through 16. So we're sliding back into the lesson again after taking a brief departure from last week. And I'm going to ask you to go to Isaiah 49, verses 15 through 16. And let's take a look at that together. Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a woman... Forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So what human attributes do we see described in this passage? It's what led to the discussion we had about tattoos last week. The hands, engraving on the palms of the hand. That's the human attribute that's being assigned to God, which is a, a graphic that's basically saying he knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows all about you. Because when you have something so personal that's engraved upon you, it's something that you choose to remember. You choose to acknowledge. And he's saying this about us. He's saying this about our very presence, our very existence. Isaiah uses the picture of engraving on God's palms because in ancient Eastern culture, this form of tattoo would be a familiar image. And in our current culture, tattoos are a familiar image too. And we went through the whole thing about tattoos last time, which, which I think was a great discussion. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, But I thought it was a great, enlightening discussion about tattoos, which again is another reminder as to how we communicate with people in different generations or different individuals about things, not getting hung up on things that are going to steal away from the message that Christ would have you share. 
A tattoo usually denotes importance and permanence to the one who bears it. Why do you think God evoked that picture to communicate knowing us? Why do you think he communicated that picture? This is, this is just a conjecture, but what do you think? Why do you think God mentioned about engraving on the palm of the hand as a way to show that he remembers you and knows you? Why do you think? No wrong answers. Your hand on your palm is always with you, and there is a tendency, more than any other part of your body, the first thing that you look at is your hands. It's just a natural thing. Your hands are what you see. You know, I mean, you're not looking all around like this when you're looking. You look, the first thing you usually see is your hands. It's a very noticeable thing. So for those people who have, like, for example, a tattoo maybe on their wrist or something like that, that's usually something that's very visible for them as a reminder. And it's a very interesting perspective. Steve Harvey actually mentioned one time how he had on all the, coll- all the cuffs of his shirts, which is right by his hand, he would engrave, he had embroidered on each of the cuffs his wife's initials. Well, just one wife now. Uh, not, not, the, not all of them. Just one wife. But, but the fact that he mentioned that, it, it told me one thing. He wanted to do what? Remember his wife. And when you raise up the cuffs of your shirts, you can see, if you wear long sleeve shirts, you can see the information. It's right there in front of you. It's not a tattoo, but it's a reminder of what? What is important? What is important to him? Yes. Yes. Engravings. That's correct. The engraving is a long-lasting reminder. It's not like you can just go and wash it off. It's going to be there, even after you wash your hands and all that. Did you have your hand up? That's right. That's a great point, too. Everybody hear that? Your fingerprints. Your fingerprints. When I had to go get my background check to, in order to be able to work at the assisted living facility, because they, they do give you background checks now, one of the first things they did was they take your fingerprint. Fingerprints are unique to you. There are no other people who have a fingerprint like you do, which is amazing to behold, right? Just like the one snowflake that, you know, you know there's, there's no such thing as the same snowflake. Your fingerprints are unique to you. And it's permanent. It's a permanent thing. Okay, very good. Good discussion on that. What does that say to you? When God says in Isaiah 49, 16... I've got you written in the palm of my hand. Once again, it's an anthropomorphic statement, but he's giving you a visual. Understand how this is all visual? This is a visual communication. God communicates with us with visuals. If you look at his word very carefully, you'll see that. We can relate to pictures. 
a picture of an engraving on the hand should speak volumes to you. What does this say to you? What does it say to you about what he says about always remembering you? We're all unique individuals, and I love the second part, and that we're all special to him. We are all special. Remember that statement when it comes to you sharing the gospel with other people, especially people that you may not agree with ideologically, or they may not be like you in any way, shape, or form, but God looks at them in the same way as he looks at you. This is what I meant about taking your personal biases, personal thoughts about certain things and eliminating them from any conversation, being open to talk to anyone. And I mentioned this a couple, three weeks ago when I was speaking specifically about what about when you're speaking to LGBT? What about when you're talking to people who just don't agree with you philosophically? Your main goal always has been and always will be as a believer in Jesus Christ for you to communicate the gospel. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. That's what you do. And that means to everyone. And that means no matter where they come from, no matter who they are, You speak about Christ in your words, your actions, your demeanor, your very presence. That's what this world needs today. It needs believers to step up and stand out. Stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. You've heard that before. Who will stand in the gap? Who will stand before me? And that means standing also for righteousness, too. The world wants to try to run us over. Amen? Amen? You're in a fight now. Stand your ground. You can still show the love of Christ and stand your ground. The tattoo on his hand is evidence of his knowledge of us and our value to him. That's why I said the word special. Value. You have a value. You have a value. Here's something that's really obvious. If he didn't value you, you wouldn't be here. Plain and simple. If he didn't have a value, you wouldn't exist. But every one of us has a value to God. When you're counseling someone... And speaking to them about Christ, let's say they're very depressed, very low, don't understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. You're going to run into that, especially some older people who may not feel like they have a sense of value as they did in the past. You have to go back and speak to them according to Isaiah 49, 16. You have a value. You're written on the palm of God's hand. You have a value. You have a very need for you to be here. As long as you're alive, you have a value and a purpose in God's will. These are all reminders that we need to convey as even as we're learning about all this stuff. 
you're all going to be speaking to people about Jesus at some point, at some time, at some place. Remain teachable. Remain open to God's teaching through the Spirit. Remember the old saying, you learn something new every day? Well, as we get older, we don't say it as much, but guess what? We really do learn new things every day if we are open to being taught. We're open to being taught. When you get to be a certain age, you don't know everything, and you can't begin to say you don't know anything. Pastor Gus is not going to admit that he knows everything. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. He didn't pay me to say that either, so... He's still learning. We all are. Can you think of another permanent puncture on the hands? Puncture. That's an interesting thing. I, I can't think of another. I'm thinking of what other permanent puncture can you have on your hands or anything like that? He said it. Did you hear that? The crucifixion. The crucifixion. Remember, when Jesus rose again, he still had nail imprints in his hands. What Thomas, remember, Thomas didn't know I, until I see the nail marks in your hands and the thing in your side, whatever, I won't believe. And so Thomas had to have the personal inspection. Of Jesus' hands and his side. They were there. Jesus took those marks for us. Another reminder of why we need to be just so grateful for what he's done. God inscribes people's names on his palms and Jesus bears the ultimate puncture on his hands because you are known and loved. He doesn't just know about you. He knows you. Amen? Amen. Knowing Jesus' hands bore the scars of nail pictures, what must be the answer to the question David posed in Psalm 8-4? So go to Psalm 8-4. Psalm 8.4. Psalm 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? So how would we answer that question? There may be different ways to answer it, but who wants to take a stab at that? Knowing Jesus' hands bore the scars of nail pictures, what must be the answer to the question David posed in Psalm 8-4? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Well, the short answer to that, since no one's volunteering, in God's eyes, you mean everything to him. You mean more to him than the greatest romance on earth that ever existed. Wherever that was, 
He loves you more than, frankly, sometimes we love ourselves. He loves you and cares for you more than you could ever care for any other human being on earth. Yes. Psalm 8-2. You want to read those nice and loud? Go ahead. Amen. And I like what Ed did because I can't emphasize enough, like we did last week, the importance of contextual reading. Contextual reading. It ties it all up very nice in a nice, neat little bow. We already saw what the problem is when we interpret things without proper context. And perhaps as long as I keep teaching... Whenever that is, I'm going to always emphasize that to anybody I talk to. We have a lot of people who look at Scripture and they only take pieces, parts out, but they don't use the proper meaning of what was being conveyed in that passage. And we saw evidence of that with the examples from last week. This is also why I'm saying you have to be open to teaching and greater instruction. Otherwise, you'll be stuck on pieces, parts for your entire life. And you're allowing your personal thoughts to inject into how you convey information to other people. Don't think for a moment that this does not occur in other churches. It absolutely does. Not contextual teaching. We have to... Become less ignorant of the word and more into what the word is saying to us correctly. Before Jeremiah was formed in his mother's womb, God knew he would be a prophet according to Jeremiah 1.5. Galatians 1.15-16 tells us that God set set the apostle Paul apart from his mother's womb so that he could preach Christ among the Gentiles. God knew Paul would preach to the Gentiles. Well, let's just take a look at Jeremiah 1.5 real quick. Start with verse 4. Now we talk about how God knows... God knows all about what's happening and what's going to happen. His knowledge is eternal. He truly does know the future. And we have to kind of take this and just kind of swallow hard sometimes and say, Wow, God, you knew all about me. 
you know who I am right now, and you, you already know what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 1.4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, and this is, this is the Lord speaking directly to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before he was formed in the womb, before he was basically was conceived, he knew that Jeremiah was going to be this prophet. Now here's something that's going to be very interesting to you. Everyone here who is a believer in Jesus Christ, of course he knew that you would have the heart for God to accept him. But he has appointed you too. Your call is to do what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now you may not be a prophet. That's a special thing that God would give an individual information to have. But you do have a task that you've been given. He knows all about you. Yes. He is busy. This is all the more reason why you need to be educated and aware. Who had their hands up? Did you? Two things. Verse one, verse before. Yes. One thing that has been proven: when a mother gives birth and gives that child away in a day or two days or a week, she never forgets that child. That's right. That's right. She may not know the child's wrong about anything. Yep. She never forgets the one she gave birth to. That's right. God never forgets the one he created. Amen. That's right. Never forgets them. You ain't, th- ain't going to get me. I already know. I already think I know where you're going with this, but you go right ahead. I knew you were going to do that. 
That's a good question, though. That's a, the weird, this is good conversation. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. Everybody listen very carefully to this discussion. Y'all speak nice and loud. Don't don't leave stuff dropping on the floor now because nobody can hear you. So go ahead. Yep. Yep. Very specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. You can throw Judas in there. Why not? You can put everybody in there. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. What about these people who say that they have been knowing that God has called them for a specific purpose and they just hijack the ministry? Like uh, they know God has a specific ministry or has called them to be a pastor and they end up not doing it. Let's answer that question first because I, I want to circle back on the other ones as well, too. People say all kinds of things. And people may genuinely believe they've been called to do things. But the the issue ultimately comes down to, is there something behind that? Because not everyone fulfills what they think their calling is for different reasons. It may be the individual personality. 
The one thing we have to understand about this whole thing where he threw this predeterminism word in here to, to try to throw a monkey wrench into our class. God knows exactly who you are and he knows your personality, your tendencies, the, 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 your character. Those things are developing because the one thing I want to read here after that passage is something very important for you to see here. The one thing that overcomes a lot of that stuff is free will. Free will ultimately comes down to God allows you to be who you are and you can make choices just like Samson did, but he's still going to accomplish his will in spite of your lack of obedience or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. He knows your heart. And ultimately, it's not like, well, every, even Judas could have made a choice. Remember, it wasn't, remember his character was horrible. He was a thief. He stole from the collection plate. He did all different kinds of things. He had bad character. Well, what happens with bad character over time? It can be, you, you basically can be overtaken by Satan. Remember, it wasn't until he dipped his hand at the Last Supper is when Satan entered him. He was not possessed by Satan up until that very point. Otherwise, why would you have a passage, then Satan entered him? He was a vessel waiting to be taken. Could Judas have done something different before then? You'd have to believe yes. But he made a choice to do the other. We have free will to do whatever it is. But God knew, ultimately, that Judas would do that. Because he knew the person. Yes. But the verse where it talks about man turns his way, but God's will. Yeah. I think sometimes man does turn his way, but ultimately God's sovereign plan is to accomplish that plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. You say no, to a different That's right. Hang on, I got right here. Everybody listen. We'll come back to you. Go ahead. No, I was, in, well, I'm listening to everyone, and I thought about grace, and I'm thinking at the end of the book, and then I looked it up, and it says, And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Yeah. So no matter what we choose to do, all God's going to trump you. Yeah. Ultimately, his plan will be carried out whether you choose to cooperate with it or it's done despite you, because you still get done. I'm going to walk away from over there. Who had, did you have your hand up? Nice and loud so they can hear you. The one Job reference is after Job gets into the discussion with the Lord. Yep. That's right. Okay. To go back to that other reference that you were sitting there talking about, as far as Samson goes, and this probably will put it in a better perspective. Um, I mean, Sam, uh, Judges 15, 28. Mm-hmm. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strength thee. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Okay. 
Okay. That's right. Yes. Amen. 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 Great discussion. We're going to have to stop here. So now you're just going to have to come back in two weeks and we can talk about this. But, huh? Well, no, we, no. No, we, 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 we have, we must leave. And she's going to get you. Don't do that. <laughs> Understand something in Jeremiah. Notice that the first thing that Jeremiah says after God talks about how he's been consecrated. First thing he says is, ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. So God was preparing Jeremiah for ministry at that point. And we'll pick up with that the next time we get together about this particular conversation. He knows who you are. He gives you the spirit to continue to teach you. You are still evolving on this earth with what the spirit gives you. He is continually teaching you. And the moment he stops teaching you is when you're not here anymore. And that's it. So always be open to his teaching. Always be open to his teaching. If you don't get anything else out of today's class, get that. That's important. So we'll pick up next time and we'll talk about this more. Let's go ahead and close out. Father, thank you for this time that you've allowed us to just sit quietly before you. And Lord, we just know that your spirit has been present with all discussion today. We just thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your teaching. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us along with these conversations about how you consecrate us, how you have chosen us, how you know all about us. And Lord, we are thankful that you never forget us. You always remember us. You remember every living being who's ever existed. And even those who weren't able to exist, you know all about them too. We pray that you'll bless us and keep us, Lord, as we gain greater understanding about what you would have us to do day by day week by week, month by month, and year by year. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.